Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Just Shiatsu podcast. As always, my name is Justin Zielinski. I'm a Shiatsu therapist, and I'll be the one giving you my perspectives on the topics we're talking about. <laughs> so today I wanted to talk about why the Neijing is my source reference for answers to questions I get while practicing this medicine. The Neijing is the original book written about Chinese medicine, or at least the Chinese medicine that's being practiced today. This is still the definitive uh, foundation of what's being practiced in all of Chinese medicine today. There are books that were written earlier that also talk of a medicine that spanned or you know developed in China, but those books no longer you know reference the medicine that's being used today. But the Neijing is the oldest book that still has the principles and the foundations for what is being practiced today in Chinese medicine. It is a book that is more than just about medicine, though. It's also a book that's written in a way that explains how the universe works. And it's it's understandable because the medicine is based on understanding how we move within the universe and how we live in harmony with its movements so that we can be healthy and, you know, avoid, you know, disease and, you know, a shorter lifespan than, than intended. Within that writing, it also defines, you know, the perspectives of what it means to be a healthy human. One of the things that I find super fascinating about this book is that it is believed it was written by multiple authors, which means that there's many different perspectives inside the book, but it's hard to notice that, which means that there's also a very like defined concrete medicine within that, right? From chapter to chapter, you might find um, some differences slightly in the way things are being looked at, but they're never exclusive to that chapter. Like everything that you read is inclusive, but at some point, times they're just inclusive in a different perspective so each chapter is not always like a definitive this is the way it's done sometimes it's more of like hey look at it this way and then see what you can do with this perspective to help and i find that fascinating because i i always think it's a better better to hear multiple perspectives on the same topic than it is just to listen to one person right and there are benefits to learning from one person. I mean, if you really want to master the way that person is 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 working or or seeing things, you you definitely want to work with that person, right? Well, the other thing about the book is it's it's over two thousand years old, and I find that it's that fascinating in and of itself. Um, being over two thousand years old, we have to imagine that even before it was written, the medicine had been in practice for quite some time before that. So you know. I will often hear references from like 2,500 years old, you know, to 2,100 years old. It's no definitive reference point to know exactly when this medicine was conceived and and how it manifested to what it was in this in this book, the Neijing. The other thing that's really fascinating about this book is sometimes it still feels like science is trying or, or our modern day science, the way we look at the world through, you know, observation of form and microscopic, you know, building blocks of the universe. It's amazing how those still seem to be catching up 
with some of the descriptions that are in this book. Um, you know, this idea of movement or vibrational senses that are that are in the body and that are creating health, like those are just new things in the scientific world, right? Like the vibration of atoms and the understanding of electrons. Like these are new things, but they existed in the Neijing. They just weren't called atoms or electrons or, you know, it wasn't specifically called like a vibration, but like chi. Chi is vibration. There's no other explanation for what it is. The other thing I find interesting while I've been studying this medicine is it seems to be there is a little bit of a a group of people who seem to be wanting to go back to the classics. And I can't speak for them, but it seems like there's some disappointment in some of the ways the medicine has evolved over time and a belief that it's more powerful in its original form and that this dilution that exists within the medicine right now doesn't have the same potential that some of the older texts give it, right? I mean, like, there's points in the Neijing where they're talking about performing, like, life-saving, you know, medicine. And today... Acupuncture is more viewed as, you know, a way to cure a tight muscle or to help relax the body or, you know, help with more simple exterior problems of the body. And that's just not how the medicine was originally designed. Like it was designed to be a full medical system that could heal and, you know, disease, all disease. And from my perspective, when I'm looking in the Neijing, and I'm thinking about how the medicine is being practiced today, I think, to me, the fault lies, or the the problem lies, in trying to use Western medicine, which is a medicine observing form, and seeing how it works, and then manipulating what we see working, so that it can, you know, enhance or fix what it's observing as the problem, right? In Chinese medicine, they're concerned with qi. Qi is an invisible force that just isn't knowable by any measurable devices that we know at this this moment in time. And it's it's concerned with how it makes the form what it is. So this idea of this medicine, this idea of chi and the formation of of who we are and what's going on in our bodies, it's all about what happened before the form happened. And in modern medicine, our observation is about what's happening with what we can see happen. So to me, these differences even though in some way are talking about the same thing, are enough to distort the way you're using the medicine. If you're always using the observed form as your reference point, when in the original text, the observation was the movement before the form. So this is the main reason that I have, in my own practice and studies, decided to to return to this classical medicine this this ancient book that has the knowledge it still seems to hold up today with almost no deterioration in its effect 
The other thing that is important to me while I'm reading these books is that these books are written as the classical medicine of the time. So during that time, it seems that the main methods, at least described for this book, um, were to use needles and herbs, right? Needles are a form of, you know, accessing the exterior of the body through these specific points that they, they discovered in their observation of the body where the, the chi seems to be able to move in and out of the body easier. And then they access these points by needles. And the goal with these needles was usually to perform some sort of, you know, I've heard some people call it like microsurgery, right? And since we're dealing with motion in the body or chi and, you know, a lot of it's more with the liquids before the form takes like a real solid form. It's more of, you know, chi versus the flow of liquid and all these things interacting with each other. The needles seem to, seem to be used to create holes in the body, like physical holes where, you know, this invisible movement of chi can either exit or the other idea is to use these needles to create blocks in the body so that we can create chi buildup behind them and then let that influence the body, you know, by building more chi up where there's less. And there's very specific directions written in these books as to how to insert the needle, how to take out the needle, um, that all help manifest these changes they're looking for with the needle, right? And there are nine different needles described in this book, and they're all very different than just the one needle that I, I've seen used in most, you know, descriptions of how acupuncture is used. It, I must be honest, I have never myself ever gotten acupuncture, which seems a little hypocritical, but I've seen no need to, partially because I've only stumbled upon this medicine recently. And with that, I haven't really explored acupuncture um, because most of my issues have been able to have been resolved with shiatsu. And, um, you know, my true love is for the art of shiatsu. It's not specifically uh, Chinese medicine. And I wanted to, you know, explore all the options of healing and how they can affect me through shiatsu. Um, I'm not against using acupuncture and in the future, if I, uh, happen to have some issues that I think acupuncture might be beneficial, I, I'm going to jump at the chance to experience that for myself as well. But my true love and true exploration of, of what can happen with shiatsu is, uh, takes precedence over exploring acupuncture for myself. So when I'm talking of acupuncture, I'm just talking about it as I've heard it described to me or as I've understood it as I've read it in the books. And I'm by no means any expert on acupuncture or its uses in any way, shape, or form besides you know reading a, a sentence here or there, or a book that gives descriptions such as an aging as to how, to how to go about using those. So the other thing that they use in this book and talk specifically a lot about is is the use of herbs. Now, there are definitely more intricate classical books that go into more definitive uses for herbs and all the herbs and, you know, classifying them. This one is more of a general specific idea of how to use the tastes, as they call them, which are, you know, the way the 
food moves once it enters the body is described as as the flavors in the in the ancient text and that just means that when you ingest this type of food the flavor which is the movement it creates inside the body is what helps correct the the disease or the the complications from the flow that are happening within i do find an interesting question usually comes into my mind when i start thinking about chinese herbs and the difference between herbs and modern medicine i mean where they're both taking refined substances to correct the body so how is that different like how does that make chinese herbs better than you know the modern pharmaceutical pills and i had actually been thinking about this in meditation the other day and the answer was to pharmaceutical companies that make pills today they clearly are not designed to heal the problem they're usually designed to block the absorption of some chemical that they have found to create the feelings that you're feeling in your body And as long as you keep taking the pill, that chemical reaction has been blocked in the body. But once you remove the pill, those chemicals still exist in the body. It's still part of you as a person, and they reabsorb. So to me, a lot of the pharmaceutical industry is based around creating, they're creating a perpetual money machine for themselves by making sure that you never don't need the pill, right? In Chinese medicine, when you're talking about ingesting medicine in this way, is also a refined substance of whatever they're using, but they're taking a more holistic approach to it, right? They're not they're definitely not trying to block the receptors. Now, if you observe it with modern science, you might see that that's actually happening, but I guarantee that was not the uh the understood way that it's being used in the classics. But they're using it to adjust the flow in the body so that it self-corrects. So with the practice of taking Chinese herbs, it's not a continual process. The idea is to correct the movement with you know the minimum amount of dosage we can so that you no longer need that to function on in life. I know that might sound a little drug out and complex, but I, it was just something I was thinking about while I was trying to de- determine, like, how are pills different than herbs? They, they, they obviously are close to the same thing, but their initial design, at least in the way I perceive it and have learned to understand some of the practices that are used in, in modern medicine, are completely different. And it's just something to think about if, if you're ever looking towards those options in the future and you want to weigh the differences. Those are my opinions on how, how they differ from each other. So I've just gone through and explained how the book uses acupuncture and herbs as its reference point for correcting motion in the body. So then why would I use this book for touch? That sounds stupid. Like even me listening to, to everything I just explained and then say I use it for touch sounds kind of stupid, right? Well, it's not really. This book is explaining the foundational principles for what is health in a human body and also the foundational principles of what the universe looks like as we live in it 
and how we can live in harmony with those. So my goal while I'm reading these texts is to interpret between the lines somewhat, might be a way to say it, interpret how I can use those principles that are being described to correct the flow, either through needle or herb, and how can I change that? And that principle still applies to touch, right? I almost find the challenge fun in some way. Like it's very challenging and makes me really think deep into the medicine and makes me understand, you know, what are we really trying to do here as opposed to what's the needle doing or what's the herb doing. And, uh, yeah, I just have to like, it's super fun to me. Like I, (laughs) it might sound like the silliest thing to some people, but I find fun in the challenge. So to understand exactly how I'm going about translating touch from these other methods, I think a few principles need to be understood. At least one main principle needs to be understood is that the chi follows the mind when given purpose. So the chi will naturally just flow in our bodies when we're not thinking about it. But if we intend to think specifically on a certain motion we want to happen, I think we can generate that chi in ourselves. And then we can give the person we're touching that same feeling for their body to respond to. And we can simplify chi again by just calling it vibration. Right, so I'm changing the vibration of my body. You know, uh, another way to think about it is expansion and contraction. Right, these are just different levels of vibration. Right. Well, how do you do that? You have to use your mind, and I can tell you from the years of my anxiety and you know learning a as I suffered through it, the feelings that are there, right? As, as an anxious person, I was always very contracted. I felt very inside my body, you know, that they always felt like there was walls around me. Well, you can change that feeling just by using your mind, right? I can expand the thought of myself outside of my body, right? That's expansion. That changes the vibration. It looks at things differently. And it's the oscillation between these two that is health, right? We're never like fully expanded. That would be dissipating into nothingness. Uh, We're never fully contracted. That would be a solid object that has no movement inside. So we're always oscillating between expansion and contraction. And you can see it most visibly with the breath, So sometimes you'll hear people when they're talking about chi, just call it breath, right? This expansion of the lungs and this contraction of the lungs. This is what initiates the movement around our bodies, right? And it even has an importance within the medicine. Breathing is is, uh, an important cycle of circulating chi in the body. The other thing that I think needs to be brought to light is 
something called the observer effect. Now this isn't necessarily stated in the classic texts directly, but with modern quantum physics, there really is something called the observer effect. And I, I uh, encourage you to look it up. It's interesting. Uh, it's a double slit experiment. If you ever look into that, you'll see how we tried to fool we tried to fool the universe by observing objects in different ways, and it always knew what we were doing. And depending on what we were doing, the objects moved differently. Right? It sounds very sci-fi and crazy if you've never heard this principle before, but I encourage you to look at it because it's super interesting. And I believe this is part of what's happening with with all medicine, really, but with the touch medicine is where I'm focusing. So I believe part of this touch medicine is just being the observer is actually changing the thing we're observing without anything else even happening. And you know, it's just the interaction of chi or the vibrations, you know, mingling together, you could say too. So the other important aspect that's in Chinese medicine is this idea of making sure diagnosis and observation are taken into account as opposed to just hearing the symptom. And this is also important. So this is where I think, you know, even in the classics, there's no getting around this idea of using touch to diagnose. The main method of diagnosis in the classics is pulse diagnosis. And it's not quite the same pulse diagnosis that's being used in TCM today, but nonetheless, it's still a pulse diagnosis. So you're feeling movements in the pulse to decide what's wrong with the body instead of listening to the person's description of what's wrong, which is important because we need to understand what we're feeling or you know, maybe what the body's telling us between what you're feeling and what we're feeling. But the most important aspect of this medicine is its touch observation. Because that's how we get a true sense of what's happening in the body. It's so easy for our minds to generate logical conclusions that just aren't the truth. Right? You can think of even a couple simple experiments or maybe not experiments, but social interactions you've had, right? Have you ever been in a room of people and you look at somebody, right? They look suspicious. You think they're up to no good. And you create this whole story. So we create this whole story, right? You look at somebody, oh, he's up to no good. I bet you he stole something. He definitely stole something because he looks like he's hiding something in his jacket pocket. Right? You tell yourself this whole story. And this is just using logic to try and understand your observation. But later as you're sitting in this room, maybe he's the speaker for the event you're at and you just saw him putting his notes away in his pocket and he wasn't in a good mood at the time. Maybe somebody gave him some bad news, but we saw the the undesirable look on his face and the motion of what we thought were hiding something in the pocket and we created a story. And this is what our logic is doing all the time. It's 
trying to create stories and it has a, a wonderful purpose. Like it helps us stay protected. It uses all our past experiences to make sense of what we're seeing now so that we can live longer. So this logic is not something we need to ignore, but when it comes to making full sense of something, logic isn't always the best tool. So part of my personal path with shiatsu is trying to turn off this logic and creating my own story of how your presentation happened. And instead, I want to listen to the body. I want to feel the movements inside your body. Tell me what's going on or what specifically needs to happen to correct what's going on. And in some schools of thought, they might call this intuition, right? We're just observing and we're going with the feelings we have as opposed to the story we create to make sense of what's happening. And again, I think this is another aspect that Chinese medicine brings to human health that isn't in the current you know, modern medicine and probably needs to be, especially when it comes to you know, things of emotional creation, right? These are all important things to think on, I think, as we explore these texts. So my goal with the next, you know, big chunk of episodes in this podcast is I want to look at the Neijing somewhat chapter by chapter to break down what they're saying about our world and what they're saying about our health and how I'm using touch to help manifest a healthier state in everyone I work with. So I hope to have you tune in again. And next episode, I'm going to go over chapter one of the Neijing. And it's basically just a simple chapter. I shouldn't say simple, but it's a chapter on what is health. And how do we live to to our fullest extent? I hope that interests you. And I hope to see you next week. Have a great week.